Chapter 14 of The Golden Silence This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Golden Silence by Alice Muriel and Charles Norris Williamson. Chapter 14. Don't begin by accusing the landlord of anything, Neville advised, at the hotel door. He's got too much Arab blood in him to stand that. You'd only make him tell you lies. We must seem to know things and ask questions as if we expected him to confirm our knowledge. That may confuse him if he wants to lie. He won't be sure what ground to take. The Arab porter was not in his place, but the proprietor sat in his den behind the window. He was drinking a cup of thick, syrupy coffee and soaking a rusk in it. Stephen thought this a disgusting sight and could hardly bear to let his eyes rest on the thick rolls of fat that bulged over the man's low collar, all the way round his neck like a yellow ruff. Not trusting himself to speak just then, Stephen let Kiard begin the conversation. The landlord bowed over his coffee and some letters he was reading, but did not trouble to do more than half rise from his chair and sink back again solidly. These fine gentlemen would never be clients of his, would never be instrumental in sending any one to him. Why should he put himself out? We've had a letter from Miss Ray this morning, Neville announced after a perfunctory exchange of good days in french the two young men both looked steadily at the proprietor of the hotel as neville said these words the fat man did not show any sign of embarrassment however unless his expectant gaze became somewhat fixed in an effort to prevent a blink if this were so the change was practically imperceptible she had left here before six o'clock last evening, hadn't she? I cannot tell you, monsieur. It is as I answered yesterday. I do not know the time when she went out. You must know what she said when she went. On the contrary, monsieur, the young lady did not speak with me herself. She sent a message. And the message was that she was leaving your hotel. First of all, that she had the intentions of dining out with a lady. Stephen and Neville looked at each other. With a lady? Could it be possible that Mademoiselle Soubise, interested in the story, had called and taken the girl away? What then, went on Kiard? She let you know, eventually, that she'd made up her mind to go altogether. The message was that she might come back in some days, but yes, monsieur, she let me know that for the present she was leaving. Yet you didn't tell us this when we called exclaimed stephen you let us think she would be back later in the evening pardon me monsieur if you remember you asked when mademoiselle would be back i replied that i did not know it was perfectly true and desolate as i was to inconvenience you i could not be frank as my heart prompted my regrettable reserve was the, the result of mademoiselle's expressed wish she did not desire to have it known that she was leaving the hotel until she herself chose to inform her friends. As it seems, you have had a letter, monsieur, 
I can now speak freely. Yesterday evening I could not. He looked like the last man whose heart would naturally prompt him to frankness, but it seemed impossible to prove, at the moment, that he was lying. It was on the cards that Miss Ray might have requested silence as to her movements. Stephen bit his lip to keep back an angry reproach. Nevertheless, and Kiard reflected a moment before answering, then he said slowly, Look here, we are both friends of Miss Ray, the only one she has in Algiers, except of course my aunt, Lady MacGregor, with whom she lunched yesterday. We are afraid she has been imprudently advised by someone, as she is young and inexperienced in travelling. Now, if you will find out from your servants, and also let us know from your own observation, exactly what she did yesterday, after returning from her visit to my aunt, what callers she had, if any, to whose house she went, and so on, we will make it worth your while. Lady MacGregor, he made great play with his relative's name, as if he wished the landlord to understand that two young men were not the girl's only friends in Algiers, is very anxious to see Miss Ray. To spare her anxiety, we offer a reward of a thousand francs for reliable information. But we must hear today, or tomorrow at latest. As he evolved this proposal, Neville and Stephen kept their eyes upon the man's fat face. He looked politely interested, but not excited, though the offer of a thousand francs was large enough to rouse his cupidity. It would seem if he saw his way to earning it. He shrugged his shoulders with a discouraged air when Neville finished. I can tell you now, monsieur, all that I know of mademoiselle's movements, all that anybody in the hotel knows, I think. No one came to see her except yourselves. She was out all the morning of yesterday, and did not return here till some time after the déjeuner. After that she remained in her room until towards evening. It was the head waiter who brought me the message of which I have told you, and requested the bill. At what hour the young lady actually went out, I do not know. The porter can probably tell you. But her luggage, Stephen cut in quickly. Where did it go? You can at least tell that. Mademoiselle's luggage is still in the hotel. She asked permission to store it, all but a dressing bag of some sort, which I believe she carried with her. In a cab? That I do not know. It will be another question for the porter. But were I in the place of Monsieur and his friend, I should have no uneasiness about the young lady. She is certain to have found trustworthy acquaintances, for she appeared to be very sensible. We shall be glad if you will let us have a short talk with several of your servants, said Neville. The femme de chambre who took care of Miss Ray's room, and the waiter who served her, as well as the porter. Certainly, monsieur, they shall be brought here, the landlord assented. I will help you by questioning them myself. I think we'll do that without your help, thank you, replied Stephen dryly. The fat man looked slightly less agreeable, but touched a bell in the wall by his desk. A boy answered and was sent to command Angeli and Ahmed to report at once. 
also he was to summon the porter whether the man had finished his breakfast or not these orders given monsieur constant looked at the two englishmen as if to say you see i put my whole staff at your disposition does not this prove my good faith what would you have more angeli was algerian french evidently of mixed parentage like all those in the hotel de la casbah who were not arabs she was middle-aged with a weary hatchet face and eyes from which looked a crushed spirit if stephen and neville could have seen madame constant they would hardly have wondered at that expression ahmed had negro blood in his veins and tried to smooth out the friziness of the thick black hair under his fez with much pomatum which smelled of cheap bergamot these two with the porter who soon appeared brushing bread-crumbs from his jacket stood in front of the bureau window waiting to learn the purpose for which they had been torn from their various occupations it is these gentlemen who have something to ask you they do not wish me to interfere announced the master to his servants with a gesture he then turned ostentatiously to the sipping of his neglected coffee neville undertook the cross-questionings with occasional help from stephen but they learned no detail of importance angeli said that she had been out when the demoiselle americaine had left the hotel but that the luggage of the mademoiselle was still in her room ahmed had taken a message to monsieur le patron about the bill and had brought back mademoiselle's change when the note was paid the porter had carried down a large dressing-bag at what time he could not be sure but it was long before dark he had asked if mademoiselle wished him to call a voiture but she said no she was going out on foot and would presently return in a carriage this she did the porter believed it was an ordinary cab in which mademoiselle had driven back but he had not thought much about it being in a hurry as he took the bag he was at least certain that mademoiselle had been alone she had received no callers while she was in the hotel and had not been seen speaking to anyone but she had gone out a great deal why had he not mentioned in the evening that the young lady had driven away with luggage for the sufficient reason that mademoiselle had particularly requested him to say nothing of her movements should any one come to inquire it was for the same reason that he had been obliged to deceive monsieur in the matter of knocking at her door and as the porter made this answer he looked far more impudent than he had looked last night though he was smiling blandly how much of this was lies and how much truth stephen wondered when having given up hope of learning more from landlord or servants they left the hotel neville had to confess that he was puzzled their stories hold together well enough he said but if they have anything to hide mind i don't say they have they're the sort to get up their tale beforehand so as to make it watertight we called last night and that man constant must have known we'd come again whether we heard from miss ray or whether we didn't still more if we didn't 
easy as falling off a log to put the servants up to what he wanted them to say and prepare them for questions without giving them tips under our noses if they know anything that fat old swine doesn't want them to give away we can bribe it out of them said stephen savagely surely these arabs and half-breeds love money yes but there's something else they hold higher most of them i will say in their favor loyalty to their own people if this affair has to do with arabs like as not we might offer all we've got without inducing them to speak except to tell plausible lies and send us farther along the wrong track it's a point of pride with these brown faces their own above the rumours and i'm hanged if i can help respecting them for that lies and all but why should they lie broke out stephen what can it be to them nothing in all probability neville tried to soothe him the chances are they told us everything they know in good faith and that they're just as much in the dark about miss ray's movements as we are without the clue we have knowing as we do why she came to algiers it's mysterious enough anyhow what's become of her but it's more likely than not that she's kept her own secret you say she admitted in her letter having heard something which she didn't mention to us when she was at my house so she must have got a clue or what she thought was a clue between the time when we took her from the boat to the hotel de la casbah and the time when she came to us for lunch it's simply hideous stephen exclaimed the only way i can see now is to call in the police they must find out where that cab came from and where it took miss ray that's the important thing yes to get hold of the cabman is the principal thing said neville without any ring of confidence in his voice but till we learn the contrary we may as well presume she's safe as for the police for her sake they must be a last resort let's go at once and interview somebody but there's one hope she may have gone to tlemcen to see that cabile maid of mademoiselle Sobey's for herself perhaps that's why she didn't encourage us to motor there she's jolly independent neville's face brightened when we've done what we can in algiers we might run there ourselves in the car just as i proposed before he said eagerly if nothing came of it we wouldn't be wasting time you know she warned you not to expect news for a fortnight so there's no use hanging about here in hopes of a letter or a telegram we can go to tlemcen and get back inside five days what do you say what stephen might have said was that they could save the journey by telegraphing to mademoiselle Sobey's to ask whether miss ray had arrived in tlemcen but the brightness in neville's eyes and the hopefulness in his voice kept back the prosaic suggestion i say by all means let's go to tlemcen he answered to-morrow after we found out what we can hear about the cab inquired at the railway stations and so on besides we can at least apply to the police for information about ben halim if we learn he's alive and where he is living it may be almost the same as knowing where miss ray has gone 
End of chapter 14